Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to episode 130, 130 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed episodes 128 and 129 last week of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, much love and respect for all the positive feedback and emails that I've gotten about those two episodes. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for rocking with me. And as always, tell a friend and have that friend tell 10 friends and hopefully them 10 friends will tell 10 friends a piece and uh, we'll get this podcast numbers popping as always, like we always do. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Man, I got a story to tell. Man, well, it ain't really a story, but um, what was it? A few days ago, I was at work and i was delivering to uh one of the baker supermarkets for my people down south i think y'all got kroger's and out on the west coast i think it's kroger's or something like that or dylan's uh, all under the same umbrella but it's called baker's here in the midwest in nebraska and so i was delivering to one of the bakers and my dumb ass i just i should have failed in the parking lot uh where i was i was backing in my work truck you know i drive a straight frame i drive a 30 footer and um, so I was backing into the dock and then uh, I hop out and I just smell old chicken grease and old like just old fried grease. And I'm like, man, what the hell? And I take one step and I slip, almost broke my neck. I should have failed. And so there's like a ramp where you walk up to go in through the back door. And it was just like so where I got out my truck, where I was docked at at the dock. It was just nothing but just old chicken grease right there. And then a the whole dock was uh, full of chicken grease. And I don't know what I was thinking. I was not thinking uh, because they barely cleaned it up. It's just like they kind of pushed it off to the side. I should have fell and hurt my back in quotes. And I should have got paid. That's what I should have did. I wouldn't even been working. I'd be doing this podcast five days a week if I would have fell in that parking lot and got paid i don't know what the fuck i was thinking i was just trying to be safe and do my job you know i should have just fell and called 911 off rip and like oh my back and pull a ezel you know my neck my back my neck and my back you know just pull some shit like that and settle out of court for about you know a couple hundred thousand dollars that's what i should have did man i was not fucking thinking but so uh, after i get done delivering my uh my products then i'm leaving and so now the bottom of my shoes smell like chicken grease so i get in the cab of my truck you know i'm trying to wipe them off on on my steps on my truck and you know i'm still slipping and then i got the mats the plastic mats you know up under my uh up under the uh the gas and the brakes i'm trying to wipe it off there and i got my air on high blast and i got the windows down but it still smells like a fucking project hallway minus the piss you know how that you know how i smell you know because ain't no because you know in the in the projects ain't no vents 
you know you ain't got no hood or nothing or no vents to suck that smell out and you know that's the cheapest way to feed somebody is to fry a whole bunch of meats you know you frying fish you use the fish grease still to fry some chicken then you frying up some uh, potatoes you know like some uh, french fries or something shit like that or you uh, frying up some of y'all motherfuckers y'all fat motherfuckers be frying up pizza rolls <laughs> But yeah, you're using the grease for all kind of other shit. And, uh, you know, and then it just has that smell, that stench. Y'all ever dated a girl from the project or ladies, y'all ever dealt with a nigga from the projects? Nigga be fresh to death, but, uh, or the chick be, you know, looking sexy as hell, clean as hell, but be smelling like old chicken grease <laughs> or old fish grease. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme <laughs> it said it said hey bro do i smell like weed <laughs> like nah bro smell me do i smell like weed then it say two niggas that smell like weed somebody should do that for chicken grease <laughs> like hey bro do I, do I stink do i smell like chicken grease nah bro you good smell me nah i'm good <laughs> nah you good bro two niggas that smell like chicken grease <laughs> But that's what my cab was smelling like. His show took me back to them goddamn uh, Hilltop 33rd projects. <laughs> I used to deal with a chick over there in that area way back in the day. This shit was about, man, that was about 15 years ago. This was whoo, early 2000s, boy. Whoo, I used to be, man, I used to just call her like, yo, just be on your stoop. So I can just pull in and just dip out luckily because i was living in the crip area that's where all i grew up with around in my area and uh she was at that hilltop dirty third and that was always just them blood niggas over there so <laughs> here i am and here i am driving through and these niggas know where i live at <laughs> and so i'm just telling her to wait on the stoop but luckily she her project building kind of faced it was on the outer part of it so i didn't have to drive in through the heart you know of it and so i'll be like yo just wait on that stoop and i'll come swoop you up and that's how i would do it man heart be in my throat every time boy every fucking time but anyways let's get started on that good old summer jam damn screen uh there was a great article and i know i've talked about this before about um younger folks i don't know why they consider me a millennial i don't consider myself a goddamn millennial but anyways uh, even though I'm not in my early 30s, I just, I don't know. It's just weird to be called a millennial. You know what I'm saying? But maybe it's because, you know, everybody, you know, older folks like Generation X and baby boomers, some of them are like writing articles about millennials and blaming everything on us, even though it should be blamed on the baby boomers who pretty much lived their whole best fucking life and left all this goddamn debt and shit for us and enacted all these bullshit ass laws that's raping our pockets excuse me but anyways uh i was talking about you know like millennials don't want to do like you know manual labor jobs or like highly skilled jobs you know like uh like uh, getting your cdl like i do or becoming like a plumber electrician or uh, something to that extent or being a mason a brick mason or something like that <clears throat> or even an architect even though that's all you do is design the buildings but uh there was a great article in the wall street journal and it was talking about how young people don't want construction jobs and that's a problem for the housing market right now because you know our economy is steadily on the incline right now uh, we haven't reached the peak yet i think we will reach the peak 
probably after this uh after the cheeto and chiefs first four years that because i know he's gonna last four years just the way that it's going the crazy shit that he's doing and ain't shit happening you know with the in the house ain't nobody drawing up no impeachment no terms of impeachment or shit like that they just gonna let this man slide and see how far down the degenerate hole we can go so we'll see what happens with this economy tanking because it will tank i mean right now people was pretty much fending for themselves and still surviving but some of these moves that the cheeto in chief is making as far as uh these tariffs and uh you know international trade uh sanctions and shit like that going on that's really gonna hurt us in the long run i'll tell you that right now so we'll see what happens once we reach another housing crisis but right now uh the the going is getting good i should say right now so this article in the wall street journal was talking about how young people don't want construction jobs and so that's a major problem for the housing market and so they're saying that since uh what from 05 to 2016 uh the uh construction workers are down by 30 percent and that's across the whole country and then the article i want y'all to check out the link in the article uh it might have you uh you know try to log in or sign up to watch you know to read the article all you got to do is copy and paste the uh, article uh the uh, address to the article that's in the show note links you know, so you copy and then you paste that it actually into the google search bar and then it'll pull up you know uh it'll be the top link and you click on that and that's how you get over past the paywall to read the article so the article is saying that um the young folks uh are you know feeling like they have to get a college degree and parents are pushing their kids to get college degrees um and looking past technical schools and vocational training you know thinking that's the way to go but you know the way that these student loans are set up and it's just you know you coming out of school and trying to get a degree in goddamn social work you know you may be gonna make you know that first year you're gonna make maybe thirty thousand dollars maybe but you coming out of school with forty thousand dollars worth of debt so you're like goddamn what the fuck did i just do you know it could be in the low 20s in some places you know being a social worker i mean in the high 20s you know 27 dollars that first year um but this article is saying that uh it had a map of the united states and it had it broken down state by state in different shades of blue and uh it was saying that so many jobs the percentage of construction jobs that was been sitting on sites i guess like monster and Glassdoor and shit like that have been sitting on these websites 45 plus days and uh nebraska was blue uh california was like dark blue which mean that uh that's is very high percentage of jobs is just sitting up there for 45 percent you know um uh 45 days or longer it was a high percentage of jobs just sitting up there construction jobs and so here's the problem though these construction companies don't want to take um because back in the days because i remember back in the days when i was fresh out of high school you could just go to a construction place and just work there for the summer you don't have no skills or nothing they ask you if you know how to measure if you know how to use a you know a screwdriver or a hammer and, and that's it and you like yep and lo and behold here you are being a general laborer for a construction company and you coming out of high school and you learning as you go on the job there will be somebody with you there 
who actually came on the job doing the same damn thing, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But, you know, they done mastered a lot of shit, you know, and by the end of the summer, your ass would be out here working a goddamn... <clears throat> Uh, uh, hammer jack and uh, you know pushing a bulldozer and shit like that you know or pushing a little bobcat you know by the end of the summer you learn a lot of fucking skills but they're saying now companies you know they already want skilled laborers and things like that they don't really want to do the general labor thing and teach them and shit like that and that's uh it's fucking up a lot of shit you know and so a lot of these uh a lot of uh well-to-do folks who want additions on their homes or trying to have a new home built or uh, renovating an area in their homes. They're having issues with um, as far as getting the dates that they want is being pushed back because there's so little help out there. Construction companies are struggling, you know, to uh, keep up with demand. And so I'm going to say, like I said on that last episode, when I was talking about going to vocational schools or getting technical training and shit like that, I need to go out there and get that money. I mean, we living in a time where everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, a CEO off rip, you know, coming out of college or coming out of high school, thinking you're going to be this big uh, social media star and shit like that. And, um, you know, you got to be the head of some Fortune 500 company or some Fortune 200 company. Uh, you think you're going to come off, come there fresh out of college and shit like that. You know, everybody ain't built for that. Everybody ain't going to make it. So there's nothing wrong with learning a skill, you know, going to a technical school, a vocational school. There is nothing wrong with learning an actual skill. You know, there's electricians out here who make just as much as CEOs. You know, some of these CEOs is out here making, you know, six figures and some some electricians are out here making six figures, too. So there's just, you know, there's a lot of shit out here. There's money out here. You just got to go get it. And it might not be what you want to do, but you might learn to love it. You know, it might be something that you you learn to love or it could be something that will fuel your dreams of being that CEO of your own company. I mean, could you imagine working, you know, 45, 50 hours a week, you know, as a construction worker, you know, doing general labor or doing framing and you up here making damn near $30 an hour? That's that's pretty nice. You know what I'm saying? Doing like some framing work or you know, even, um, you know, learning how to uh, run a bobcat or a bulldozer or something like that, you know, uh, clearing land and laying a fountain or being a concrete pour or some shit like that, you know, pouring concrete, shit, you making, you know, uh, you know, $19 and up an hour, you know, you working 40 to 50 hours a week, you know, could be working even more if you want to. You know, this is something that, that's dead. That's always going to put your light. It's going to keep your lights on. And on top of that, you know, you're going to have more than enough. If it's just you to definitely fuel your dreams of being the, the next, I don't know, Kylie Jenner or some shit or Rihanna with the makeup line or some shit like that. That's for my ladies, too. You know, if they want to jump off in construction, um, you know, and then you look at construction site managers, they make a shit ton of money and they making close to six figures. You know, just, uh, you know, being the head of a construction site, different sites and shit, just managing folks, managing your crew and working closely with the architect and the, um, you know, the building owners and shit like that. There's a lot of money out here. There's a lot of money. And um, I was talking with somebody this past weekend about getting their uh, commercial driver's license, you know, like me. 
and uh, you know, I was telling, I was telling her that, you know, you could, you could, you know, clear some some good money. You know, if I didn't buy this house, I would definitely go for my class A because I got, I got the you know, secondary class B, but I would have definitely went for my class A and be just be out on the road you know, making a shit ton of money, making, you know, six figures, you know, and so I was telling her what she, all she needs to do to get her, uh, to get that, um, that CDL, and a lot of those, uh, truck driving schools, they do have tuition reimbursement, and they also, um, some of them do take grants, federal grants, too, you know, so, um, and then job placement is always there, there's people coming out of those, uh, truck driving schools off rip, you know, making 70 grand plus, you know, and some of these folks will be bringing home well over 100 racks. I know there's a few people at my job who does who do the over the road uh, driving and they making 100, 105, 115 a year, like the top drivers, everybody else averaging about 80 a year. And that ain't bad at all. Just for driving, that is not bad at all. So a lot of times we up here just, you know, we kind of, you know, shit on these folks who be working with their hands or doing some kind of skilled labor. And, you know, these folks sitting on more money than you think. So uh, young folks, I really want y'all to just kind of think a little bit more and don't get caught up in that hype of thinking that you need that college degree. There is nothing wrong with, you know, getting some HVAC certifications. The motherfuckers get paid, especially if you live in like the Midwestern states or um, somewhere where there's all four seasons. Shit, you be an HVAC tech. Shit, you getting paid. P-A-I-D. You getting paid. Um, but yeah, there is nothing wrong at all with skilled labor. Nothing, nothing wrong at all. Um, let's see what else we can put on that good old Summer Jam screen. Um, I feel like somebody's uncle, you know, trying to give him advice and shit like that. But I'm older. I, I feel comfortable giving advice. Um, let's see here. Oh, did you guys see this article about the Cheeto and Chiefs in-laws? Now, um, New York Times ran an article about um, Melania's uh, parents becoming uh u.s citizens through the family visa program aka chain migration okay now you know uh the family visa program which is a policy that the cheeto in chief hates he made a whole video about it and you know put it on his twitter page was that back in last year late last year or something like that or it could have been earlier this year um, and so what that family visa program is, is basically say like Trump's wife came over here, got her green card, you know, established her citizenship. And then so she can apply to have, you know, other family members just come here since she's already, you know, set her foot in here and kind of laid her foundation and went through the whole thing. So it's just like tagging somebody in like, OK, come on in. You in here. Like if I'm in, I'm in here, we all in here. So they call that chain migration. And uh, it's funny, you know, seeing them, you know, benefit from that. And it just really shows the Cheeto in Chief's orange palm, you know, showing his hand. Because remember, not too long ago, he was uh, calling African uh, countries, you know, shithole countries. And he was uh, wanting to have people from Norway to migrate here when he was having that immigration meeting and shit like that. And, you know, we have this whole uh, 
uh, this separation of kids, you know, locking them up in Walmarts and shit like that, empty Walmarts, and uh, they're now, what was it, a couple weeks back, they actually started reuniting these kids with their families and um, shit like that, and this chain visa, this family visa program is actually called, like, reuniting families or some shit like that, which is very ironic, so this is just showing the Cheeto in Chief's hands. He's just tired of, you know, all these damn darkies coming over here. That's what he's sick of. That's what he's sick and tired of. And he wants to, you know, import more Europeans here, more pure uh, white Aryans here. That's what he really wants to do. Um, but uh, remember, there was articles going around saying if uh, Cheeto in Chief survives, you know, his four years, um, they were saying that it would slow down it wouldn't stop it, but it will slow down or extend uh, the white races uh, majority uh, populate being the majority population by a couple years or some shit like that, uh, especially with like his Muslim ban and things of that sorts. So that's just, you know, that's just looking funny in the light. You know, that's that's just another some just more evidence of him, you know, being hypocritical, you know, talking out of both sides of his mouth, you know, saying one thing and letting his family do something else. Um, let's see what else we can put on that good old Summer Jam screen. Uh, we had the Unite the Right uh, rally, the second one, the second annual Unite the Right rally. Um, you know what? Uh, it was funny. It was only like, what, about 20 of those uh, white supremacists that actually showed up to the rally. A lot of them had their faces covered, and they let Jason Kessler you know, throw another Unite the Right event even after last year's event that killed the young lady, the freedom fighter, uh, Heather Heyer, the non-racist white woman. And she was mowed down by a white supremacist. You know, and we they had tens of thousands of white supremacists go to Charlottesville, Virginia. And this was all, uh, you know, about Robert E. Lee and, uh, you know, just showing their so-called dominance, you know, being out here with tiki torches, mask on black boots uh white shoe strings and shit like that they were just out there being billy badass and uh tommy too tough you know out there uh and they had their weapons with them and you know concealed weapons and handguns and shit like that but this one was held in dc and uh you know not that many showed up after the fbi got involved and Sean King exposed a lot of those ones who beat that brother in that uh, that parking lot that was just across the street from the police station, and they started getting arrested. And then uh, who was the white dude who was talking that shit on Vice? I forgot his name, but he was talking some greasy shit, and they uh, put a warrant out for his arrest, and then he released a video of him crying and shit like that. But he, when he had all them guns laid out on that bed on that Vice documentary, he was, you know, he was Timmy Too Tough. But now all of a sudden, you know, them, 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 them boys, you know, wanted to lock him up and, you know, he changed his tune. But what was funny, after uh, the Heather Heyer death, rest in peace to her and condolences to her family, you kind of saw some infighting uh, with the white supremacists. You had these ones who were from like Infowars trying to uh, distance themselves from Richard Spencer. And then you had uh, the so-called uh, Gavin McGinnis and his 
Proud Boys, uh, you know, kind of distanced themselves from Richard Spencer, like, oh, we're not a white supremacist group, and then they started trying to hide behind the uh, guise of patriotism, but you know, already exposed that white supremacy, you know, disguised as patriotism, and so that's why you didn't have too many people show up this time. Uh, you only had, what was it, about, I think it was close to 30 people showed up or some shit like that, along with Jason Kessler, but boy, they had them cops armed, and uh, they had their backs, which was funny, but what was even amazing uh, was to see, you know, uh, non-racist white folks, you know, out in the streets, uh, you know, with black folks and brown folks, and they were, you know, just out there, tens of thousands of them as anti-protesters, you know, or counter-protesters. That was a beautiful thing to see, to kind of strike down white extremism. I'm not going to say white supremacy, I'm going to say white extremism, because I know there was some of them folks in the audience uh, or in those uh, counter-protests that are just fine with the system as it is, as long as it's covert and not overt. So, um, yeah, that was wild. But, you know, I did some uh, a little bit of research and reading. There were some a few articles that came out, you know, after Charlottesville last year that was actually talking about how Robert E. Lee, you know, despised the Confederate flag, the battle flag after he was defeated and he became a professor. And, you know, this man wasn't even uh, buried in a Confederate uniform at all. And he was talking about that the flag doesn't need to be waved any any not again at all you know after their defeat because it was uh treacherous and treasonous against the uh, constitution of the united states of america so i need to know if the confederate general you know disowned the the battle flag why is uh you know meth mouth molly and uh mountain dew fentanyl drinking feel why are they still out here with these stars and bars, you know, on their do-rags and on their leather jackets, you know, or with the bumper stickers on their cars and trucks that's just sitting on cinder blocks in their front yard or their trailer park? That's what I'm trying to figure out. They talk about us about heritage and not hate, but if the own general said it was, you know, treacherous against the United States Constitution, what are you doing? You didn't even lead any troops you know, against the United States. That is just, that's a symbol. That is a symbol of a traitor. And here you are waving it proudly because it never was about that. It's all been about white dominance and it's trying to stay in a position of power and going back to them good old days. So it's all about deception. It's all about lying straight to your face and then expecting you to believe that so they can stab you in the back once you turn around and go on about your merry way and accept the bullshit that they be shoveling to you. But, um, you know, those white supremacist groups are still, you know, ganged up online and, you know, in their own little factions and white extremist factions online and talking shit in chat rooms and things like that. So don't, you know, feel too warm and fuzzy that not too many showed up. They still out here and a lot of them are working in different uh, branches of the judicial system, you know, all the way from the high courts on down to the lowliest beat cop who be fucking crackheads. So, um, you know, even though it was not a success, I mean, just to see the, uh, the cops come out and protect this group and how he still was able to, you know, get a permit for this rally. 
after there's been blood on his hands for Jason Kessler I'm speaking of it just shows that you know this system is still fucked up and everybody's kind of falling in line and letting the chips fall where they may which is falling on that table of white supremacy but I've been ranting too long on the summer jam screen so I'm gonna give it to my brother Hove Hove I see you out here on that on the run tour doing your thing I mean you got that old man bop going on you know them legs don't be moving but you be killing it from the waist up but I see you Hove let them know what you got to say Hove don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen I smoke rocks I smoke rocks all right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro of Selling Hope Like Dope. So Selling Hope Like Dope right now, we have to give it to the Oscars. Uh, the Oscars ain't been the same since, uh, you know, Oscars So White. It just ain't been the same. It's been looking funny in the light. You had that uh, Moonlight fiasco. Um, it's one of those things uh, where they're trying they're trying new things they're trying to reach a younger audience and uh you know black folks been giving the oscars the business for years ever since uh, angela bassett didn't win for her uh playing tina turner uh or malcolm uh and the brother denzel washington didn't win for malcolm x for uh, portraying uh, malcolm x folks were just black folks ain't been fucking with the oscars since i mean we know Halle Berry did got one, Denzel got one, you know, for training day, but he had to be a bad guy, and, you know, Halle Berry had to bust that pussy wide open and fuck, uh, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's methed out looking ass, you know, for her to get that Oscar, and so, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where you're just like, okay, this is some bullshit, so, they're basically trying to shorten the program from three hours, short, make the show shorter, and they're introducing a new category. Now, this new category is interesting. It's best popular film. So it's sort of like a viewer's choice award or something like that, right? So now folks on uh, social media, they feel that it could be a slight to a film such as Black Panther, which folks uh, feel is a shoe-in for Best Picture. Um, you know, it got a lot of a lot of attention. It was a pretty good Marvel movie. It introduced uh, one of the uh, the best Marvel villains, um, you know, played by uh, Michael B. Uh, Jordan, uh, Killmonger. It, you know, he was one of the best villains next to Thanos. And um, I would have to say uh, Loki, you know, he's right up there with those guys as far as villains go in the, the Marvel uh, universe. So a lot of folks are looking at it like, OK, so you're just now going to introduce it now with the popularity of Black Panther. And so let me explain this, uh, you know, this best popular film is like a viewer's choice war, like I said before. And so let's say Black Panther wins that, right? So, uh, but not the best picture. So the Academy, you know, with the backlash from that, be like, oh, Black Panther didn't win, but they won, you know, best popular film. And so, uh, you know, the Academy could fall back on, well, at least they won. They won something. But this win, this Oscar is with the asterisk next to it. You know, it, it's like they do in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They put an asterisk by the name if you're shady, right? And we shouldn't, you know, even be entertaining the Oscars at all. We shouldn't. We should have been 
stop that, you know, years ago, decades ago. Um, and, you know, and stop because li- it just lets it makes us live by the white standard. We have to stop just letting white folks standard, you know, determine our worth, you know, when it comes to music, you know, films, TV, just everything that we do. You know, we always try to gauge it through a white lens, not all of us, but most of us. You know, through a white standard, we have to get to that white standard. And I know that there's just white dominance up and down, you know, woven into the American fabric. But, you know, one way to break through is to, you know, be okay celebrating yourself. And this goes for other uh, uh, groups, too, other non-whites. You know, a lot of times y'all y'all live to that hype, too, you know, to that white standard. And, you know, just just it's okay if someone that looks like you praises you. That's fine. You can accept that. You should be accepting that with open arms. You know, it's that whole white ice is colder and their ice isn't colder. You know, it's just you just accept that stance because have you been trained and programmed out here? Um, So we need to see more black folks showing up to these black award shows and to stop, you know, kind of treating them like they ain't shit. You know, just like, you know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very weird thing. Um, but like I said, this whole Black Panther situation, if it wins the best popular film and not best picture, then you'll know exactly the jig. I call it the jig from afar. So when February rolls around, I think that's when it comes on. Just remember this episode 130 of Selling Hope Like Dope. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L, as in, hey yo, my guy, my hands are full. Give me a hand here. Can you hold this L? All right. Thank you to myself for that lovely intro of Hold This L. Uh, we have to give it to uh, this week. We have to give it to Brock Turner, the former Stanford swimmer who was uh, convicted of sexual assault when he was, uh, you know, he was caught trying to finger bang some woman some passed out woman by a dumpster and then he got in the news because he only served three months in jail and then was set on about his merry way so he has to hold this l this week because he uh his appeal to not have to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life was denied and his and his uh, lawyer, so it was like a three-panel judge judges at the district court who denied this. Uh, so the argument his lawyer made was that um, he had outer course and not intercourse with the victim. So outer course is basically everything except penetration. So like dry humping, I guess, finger banging. Um, I, yeah, so I guess all that that shit that's the all the shit that would could be considered like foreplay and leading up to the act of sex, right? So he tried to argue that, and the three panel judge was like, "Nah, son, get the fuck on up out of here." So Brock Turner is going to have to register as a sex offender for his entire life. So he's going to have to notify neighbors once he purchases his first home. Uh, you know that he is a sexual deviant and uh, you know that is some sort of justice I guess you could say that but him only serving three months in jail that that was some bullshit that was some bullshit the long way boy 
and that wasn't nothing but 10 pounds of bullshit in a five pound bag that's all that that was um but yeah simple and plain uh, i guess that is some justice having that that mark on you forever uh, i wouldn't be surprised if this young man kills himself because he has to be a sex offender for the rest of his life or you know he embraces it and he uh lives his life because you know what he's still a white male so he will be a-okay in this society but hopefully that is uh punishment enough hopefully uh he'll have trouble sleeping and uh you, you just don't do degenerate shit like that you just don't you just don't do nasty shit like that you know you don't you don't own anybody's body no part of it whatsoever even if you put a ring on it you don't own that shit so just keep that in mind fellas because i don't you don't want to be out here you know fucked up in the game and then all of a sudden, you know, you get out of prison or whatever and you, you label, you know, a, a sex offender. And now you're out here knocking on doors with a pamphlet, uh, you know, trying to explain what you done did. How you done, you know, ate some chick's asshole without her permission because she was in the bathroom stall, passed out, you know, from taking a, a hearty shit because she was drunk. And your horny ass went in there and you spread them cheeks open and you got a chocolate mustache. But Brock Turner, my mans, hold this L. You win. Perfect. All right. So moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes. We have to give it to Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills of the Miami Dolphins in their preseason game during the national anthem. Them brothers took a knee. Still raising awareness for the unjust killings of, uh, you know, people of color, mainly black folks at the hands of police and state sanctioned violence and the racial inequality and the racial wealth gap. So them brothers caught all kind of hell on social social media. You could have just typed in Miami Dolphins and niggers and that's, you know, that's all that you saw. Even got the Cheeto in Chief riled up. Um, but, you know, shout out to them for continuing to fight the good fight. Uh, we know that Eric Reed and uh, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, still do not have spots on any NFL rosters. And they're well more than capable of being on any team in the league and so uh you know there's this new rule that's been introduced either stay in the locker room or stand for the anthem but you know the players association said they didn't have no idea of signing off on that they nobody brought that to their attention just the owners all agreed on that and so the NFL is like, OK, well, we need an agreement between the owners and the Players Association. So I guess that is put on hold. But shout out to them brothers for being so brave and just staying on point and staying on code. And like I said before, you know, it should be one day where all the black players in the NFL just, you know, just sit out just sit out the game you know oh my stomach hurt you know if you're scared to you know be about that life and tell the truth just say your stomach hurts you know i got diarrhea i can't play you know just really see what happens you know once you start hitting these teams in the in the pockets and uh the sponsorships and things like that and then you realize that you know you got more power than you think you know the power has always been with the people um it's just right now you know there's too many folks scared to join the revolution that's all that it is 
Um, you know, too too many folks are scared of losing their jobs and their bread and butter. That's why you got folks like Dak Prescott out here, you know, tiptoeing on the coon train, you know, with a trench coat on and a Stetson hat. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's just sad. It's like, well, what will you stand for? You know, what will you do about this climate that we're in? And, you know, I know it's odd because black folks haven't been doing it for that long, but black folks are really raising their standards and social media has, you know, uh, helped black folks, you know, gain confidence and this uh, a surgence or resurgence of being woke and, you know, not putting up with the bullshit. It's, it's terrifying to a lot of other groups. It is. And I know some of these NFL players are sitting here like they don't want to offend their white friends or their white spouses and, you know, uh, or even some of y'all are half white, you know, but, you know, just stop and look at what your people are dealing with. Look at what the, the hell that black folks are dealing with. And then ask yourself, why are those people around you, you know, so comfortable, those so-called friends? Why are they so comfortable, you know, with the condition of black folks in this country? All right. So just think about that. But that's a uh, shout out to Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills of the Miami Dolphins. Not all heroes wear capes. A lot of them, you know, uh, kneel during the national anthem to bring awareness to the unjust killings of black folks here in America. All right. So moving on to the last portion of the show, health over wealth. You know what I say? Without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So we got another African proverb coming to y'all. Hopefully y'all like these. Um, and this is from the Igbo people. Um, and this says, when brothers fight to the death, a stranger inherits their father's estate. Let me read that one more time. It's pretty deep. When brothers fight to the death, a stranger inherits their father's estate. So this is just a message to stop beefing with those that look like you um, because there's so much division going on in this country and globally. Uh, that's why Africa right now is being picked apart by China uh, due to division uh, from the old uh, colonization. So they saw what the white you know, European countries did and America did. So China's about to hop in there and do the exact same thing, getting those precious metals about the motherland. Uh, you know, to produce, you know, electronic devices such as cell phones and different things of that sort. And here in the States, all we do is argue online a lot of times, us black folks, about how to uh, reach justice. Some say it's through separation. Some say it's through integration. Uh, some say that we just need to leave, you know, all together. Or some say that you know that we need to just embrace american culture and just face it that you know and be defeated you know so there's so much division going on right now but ultimately all black folks want is their humanity their dignity and freedom to actually practice their own culture and to get a slice of this american pie that's all that we want right um, but, you know, the powers that be and different manipulative folks, you know, want to, you know, come at us from all different angles, planting poisonous seeds. And, you know, it got us arguing for different factions. You got the hoteps, you know, you got the street niggas, 
you know, you got the uh, the Blavity Blacks who ain't really been accepted by, I guess, quote unquote, regular black society. And then you have, you know, the the uh, so-called uh, black feminist. Uh, there's just all these subdivisions of these different groups and their so-called leaders or so-called spokesperson people, you know, coming out and telling their theories about what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, you know, then we just get to arguing and wasting each other's time online trying to prove our theories when we all want the same thing, which is freedom. And, it to, and to have these cops stop killing us and to close in the racial inequality wealth gap. That's all that we want. That's all that we're trying to do. But there's so much time being wasted arguing and shit like that, that, you know, even with, um, you know, the numbers dwindling for the majority dominant uh, population here, uh, they can still create an apartheid state if we don't come through and be harmonious and shit like that. But, you know, um, there's just... It's just too much division amongst us, you know, uh, but we all want the same thing. So I say, you know, don't beef with each other. You know, you don't have to embrace each other, but realize that you all have the same goal and you just have different roots or different ways of getting to that freedom. And, you know, do you, do you, but do not beef with each other and do not, you know, fight each other over silly goofy shit you know too many of us out here are uh you know just still dying over just bullshit you know just still doing dusty shit out here and not you know being aware of the situation that we're actually in from the richest black person down to the pope poorest black person we're all in the same boat we all can you know catch hell from this system of racism white supremacy so this is a wonderful quote from the Igbo people and um, just keep that in mind, though. You know, when brothers fight to the death, a stranger inherits their father's estate. That is just an amazing quote. It's a great quote. And I feel that it's fitting, you know, seeing people come together for that, to be counter-protesters at that Unite the Right rally. And uh, hopefully that same energy can stay up. And, uh, you know, this goes for other groups, too, because there are, you know, divisions in other, uh, you know, minority groups, so-called minority groups, non-white groups. You know, there's a coon of every shade and color. There is. Uh, you know, they fall right in line with uh, racism, white supremacy, thinking that they're going to get some crumbs dropped down to them, and it never happens, right? You just, you, you know, you're just a cog in the machine to keep, you know, the machine moving. So you absolutely have to check coons, but don't waste your time, you know, beefing with them. You just kind of focus on your group, your little group of people, you know, even if there is division within your race of people, just focus on your group and, you know, try to, you know, get those people in your group who are like-minded like you to reach the promised land and hopefully other people will follow your blueprint. All right. And speaking of blueprints, I got another G code coming up after this. So please stay tuned. And as always, I love y'all and I will see y'all next week. Remember, stay tuned for G code one. Welcome to the G Code. 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 Code.
All right, thank you so much to myself. Shout out to myself and Tyrone Biggums for uh, helping with this intro to the G Code. What is this, lesson four? I believe this is lesson four. Hopefully it is. Um, so welcome to the G Code, Guy Code, Gentleman's Code, Gangster's Code, whatever you want to say. There's going to be more gangster this episode than anything. Uh, this is uh, for all my cats out there, uh, my guys out there, ladies too who out here getting that hand-to-hand money so this g-code lesson says do dirt by your lonesome you know never jeopardize friends and family if you're about that life and the goal is always to flip legit i repeat that the goal is always to flip legit so a lot of folks don't know what i'm talking about if you don't it's about turning that dirty money clean rinsing it i know a lot of you guys all watch uh the show on stars uh power and uh they talk about you know renting money clean and that just basically means putting that dirty money that dirty money is nothing but hand-to-hand money that the government hasn't taxed yet and uh on goods and services that aren't regulated by the fda um or taxed like i said before so it's basically coming up with a way to funnel that money into a legit business and somehow making it look like a profit on the books and having that company cut you a check or or eft to your deposit all right eft a direct deposit into electronic funds transfer into your checking account so like a direct deposit hit all right so uh the reason that i say do dirt by your lonesome and never jeopardize friends and family is nine times out of ten you don't want your family to know about you doing dirt out here getting that hand-to-hand money and you also don't want family and friends all in your business and when family and friends are in your business that means that they talking to other folks about your business so you always just stay on the hush hush that's uh that's a major major rule when you out here getting that hand-to-hand money and you also got to think about your clientele i know a lot of y'all out here be shitting where you're eating and that's that's a no-no uh, so don't shit where you're eating what do i mean by that don't push your product in your own neighborhood close to your home where you live at that's just some shit you do not do um i guess i will incriminate myself but uh, uh, uh well about 15 years ago about 14 15 years ago i was out here in these streets you know i was one foot in the corporate world and you know the other foot out here in these streets you know selling you know everything from weed to x to uh fucking uh opioids so fucking pain pills we didn't call them that it was just you know hydrocodones you know so selling those too so I didn't never, I didn't never fuck with no, uh, no crack or no meth like that. That shit was terrifying. That shit was just terrifying. I had a couple of partners that actually fucked with uh, selling meth. They would be over through uh, Carter Lake. Uh, they would be up through the res, uh, through the reservations here in Nebraska and Iowa, selling that shit. And I'm telling you, I went on a couple of runs with them niggas, and that shit is terrifying. You going up in spots and. You know, um, you seeing fucking fiends just, you just get the feeling that they will shank you at any moment with a sharp piece of glass or some shit like that or try to claw your eyes out to get that product. And, uh, you know, and the way that they pay you is fucking disgusting. You know, they 
paying you in crumpled up dollar bills, uh, uh, grocery sacks full of change and shit. So, you know, my niggas was out here just real hustlers. So they going to get that money. So they just taking it and, you know, counting up pennies and dimes and nickels and shit like that. It was just, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't for that. I, I was, I don't know. I wouldn't, I guess I was too much of a pretty boy, but I still would knock a motherfucker out. But it was just something where I just felt like, you know the stakes were higher if he was dealing with that ready rock or if he was you know dealing with that you know that that meth you know dealing with that blue flame that's just one of them things where you just like uh uh oh man and them motherfuckers you know smoke that shit right in front of you and they get just zooted boy and just oh man it's just you i can tolerate the smell of cooked crack or a crack pipe burning over meth it's just i don't know and then you just see these people with them fucking sores in their faces it feels like you in fucking resident evil you know what i'm saying but you know uh you know shout out to them niggas that was getting that money back then but like i said i was just out here you know pushing a little bit of weed uh, a lot of x a little bit of pills and shit like that that was my forte but i didn't shit where i ate you know i i never i never sold weed in my area and you know north o no shit like that i didn't post up like that i would always sell weed downtown outside of the clubs and shit like that uh, as far as the x went i would be posted up at the malls i'd be at west roads and i'd be at fucking um fucking uh oakview be posted up just selling the little selling the little uh white chicks selling the little uh white dudes and shit like that looking like fucking kevin Federline and shit like that uh you know this was back when uh motherfuckers was wearing them goddamn trucker hats and shit like that and you know wearing them affliction tees and shit like that you know wearing that ufc bullshit and you know having on them big ass jeans and air force ones was real popping and shit like that and everybody had them bullshit ass you know chin strap uh beards and shit real thin and fine and shit like that so um and you know chicks was in velour sweatsuits and shit like that but i i just never shat where i ate you know but i for me it was a respect thing for competition and i just knew how dirt ball a lot of folks were as far as you know if they caught you selling a better product than them you know selling especially when it came to x you know this was before, way before the molly shit hit you know what i'm saying and this is when you had just different you know designer pills and shit like that the the, the thing the main thing was trying to get a blue dolphin and shit like that but my shit was like gucci g's um had little nike ones um what else did i have had a uh, fucking mario turtle shells just different shit like that and you know a lot of times people just had just regular ass tablets you know they shit with designers you know like mine but you know you know how i do you know but i ain't gonna say too much else about that but it was one of those things that i knew that niggas was quick if you were getting money off a product that they were selling and yours was better niggas would call the cops on you just quick just quick like that you know what i'm saying so i worked i worked where i lived at you know on the north side but when it came to and then as far as them pills and shit like that i mean hydrocodones them shits just came easy you know what i'm saying it's them, them came easy knowing a couple of chicks that was pharmacy techs and shit like that um but them came easy and you would sell them you know what i'm saying five seven dollars a pop so you know you're getting you know two hundred dollars you know two two hundred and twenty dollars off of a fucking uh 
you know, just a, a little, little, um, a little vial, a little bottle off of them codones, and you know who was buying them was fucking soccer moms and shit like that, upper middle class people like that. And so we would be out by Exarbin and shit like that, um, uh, out in the Exarbin area, getting them off. And uh, but man, it's just one of those things where you just wouldn't, you know, shit where you ate. You know, you don't shit where you eat at. And I gave my reason is because niggas would call the cops on you. You know, fellow dealers would do that. There really wasn't no code of the streets. They just see a nigga getting money and it's just like, oh, you getting money and I'm not? Let me go ahead and call the cops. You know what I'm saying? So, but I never looked like your typical, you know, guy. You know, your typical drug dealers. You know, I just... Like shit, I'd be fresh to death, you know, polo down, you know what I'm saying, or some rockerwear jeans with a polo on and shit like that, and a fresh pair of J's just looking like a little pretty boy and shit like that, you know, I didn't look all shady, you know, with a, you know, wearing all black, you know, a hoodie on and shit like that, and being shifty-eyed and shit like that, you know, because I'd be at the mall shopping when I would be getting them X off, that's, that's where the real money was at. But, you know, I'd be out shopping, you know, hitting lids, you know, getting me a couple hats and shit like that. And this is when I still had hair. So y'all know this was a long time ago. This was a, <laughs> this was a long time ago, boy. And uh, I got a fresh cut. And, you know, I just had my have a couple bags, you know what I'm saying? So security wouldn't fuck with me and things like that. But it was just one of those things where, you know, and I'm very social and friendly at that time, and, you know, you just just getting them off, just boom, 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 you know what I'm saying, and the, the turnaround on them, them pills was pretty nice, you know what I'm saying, you buying, depending on the potency of that X, you know, it's, you know, anywhere from five to, you know, five to twenty dollars, you know, sometimes when they was on some bullshit, you know, you buying per pill, and then you turn around and sell it for, you know, fifteen to forty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Per pill, just depending on how potent it was, you know, how big that MDMA was. That's that's what I should say. That's when that Molly started popping around. But so I think I'm going on a tangent up here, reliving my youth and shit like that, doing getting that hand to hand money. But I'm saying don't shit where you eat just because you don't know no, want nobody knowing where you stay at for one. And, you know, somebody you know, you could have a little stash in your house, you know, you might have, you know, two, three, four, five grand sitting in the crib somewhere, and, and you got your little stash for the weekend that you about to get off at the clubs and the bars and shit like that, or through the, you know, the little uh, uh, lights district or your downtown area, and you know, somebody could just hit you with the home invasion, you know what I'm saying, so that's why you just really have to lay low, and this is another reason that you don't want to tell your friends and family about you getting them packs off you see what i'm saying because you never know you know your, your mama could be at the nails nail salon or the hair shop or something you know running her mouth talking about how she want her baby up out these streets and all this other shit and then somebody's baby mama is ear hustling and you know everybody you know knows your mama so they know you you know what i'm saying and you know, next thing you know, she didn't tell, told her dusty baby daddy, you know, and he, cause he just sitting up on the couch, not doing shit. So he's running in your crib with a rusty revolver, you know what I'm saying? And putting it to your temple, you know what I'm saying? And then next thing you know, you either dead or you got robbed. You see what I'm saying? So that's just another reason, you know, or your, your mans, you know, you telling your mans about it and then he get tight, 
you know, about you getting all this money and you know that he's a square, which means he just lives a regular life and you know he can't really be about that life to the extent that you are. And he gets tight about it. He might drop a dime on your ass. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get some Crime Stoppers money. And then they, they end up jipping him because you really wasn't on nobody's radar or no shit like that. So it's just something to think about. But the goal is always to flip legit. That should always be the end goal. You don't want to be a... There ain't, there's no lifelong drug dealers. If they are, we ain't never heard of them. And kudos to them. You know what I'm saying? But... Uh, like I was saying, you know, your square ass friends, you know, they ain't about that life. So don't have them in it. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, do my little hand to hand money. But like I said, I was still working a square job, but you know, one foot here, one foot there. And it's really difficult to do that. You know what I'm saying? To just have that duality, but it's one of those things where, I didn't have social media, so I couldn't really be out here, you know, flossing and being real loud and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Because that makes you a target, too. And a lot of y'all niggas desperate right now. Y'all be just right on Facebook talking about you got that gas. And it's just like, sir, madam, you know that the Alphabet Boys be up and down Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. And you just out here talking about I got them loud packs. You know what I'm saying? I got some Northern Lights. You know, I got that Molly. I got, you know, this, that, and the third. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's just like, yo, stop flossing. That's how you get caught up, too. You know, you, you start flossing on social media. Next thing you know, either the Alphabet Boys at your house or you got a group of niggas in ski mask at your front door and your back door. You know, ready to, you know, do what they have to do to keep their lights on. So that's just something that, you know, I was fortunate enough. My space was kind of starting out getting popping and shit like that. And I think you go back and look at my old MySpace. I don't think there was nothing on there like that about me getting that hand-to-hand money. I hope not. But, um, you know, if you're really about that, that life and you want to try to move online and shit like that, you know you got to deal with the dark web and cryptocurrency. And you really don't want to go through all that and then have it to go through and con- convert you know the uh, cryptocurrency into a cold hard cash because that just that just is a hassle and it takes forever right so you always want to deal with just cold hard cash hand to hand boom bap we in and we out but what i really wanted to talk about is just flipping legit and you're just thinking like oh well how the fuck do i flip legit it's easy we live in that social media age where the internet makes everything so fucking easy um back in my days and before previous before me a lot of street dudes would flip legit by buying a building or and leasing out the space for a barbershop you know starting up a barbershop somehow some way and this is there's a lot of uh realtors out there who kind of look the other way if you got cold hard cash i ain't saying too much but there are a lot there are a lot out there that look the other way and they'll help you find a shady lawyer to draw up some kind of documents about this money and try to pawn it off as an inheritance okay so uh you know so you had the barber shops uh you had also the um the goddamn uh car detailing that's huge uh hair salon nail salon is huge 
um, restaurants were a little bit tricky, but sometimes they would open up restaurants and things like that. Those were the main hustles, though. Or um, another big hustle was a lot of these street dudes were turning to promoters. That and you know, a lot of times you can just give an artist that hand-to-hand money. You know, that little five to seven racks. You know, sometimes. Sometimes a motherfucker come to Omaha for two racks. So I would say two to ten racks or whatever. Well, we got to keep it under ten racks because you got to report it. But a lot of times them artists don't report that money that they get. And they just come on to the club like, okay, as long as you got some weed, some drink for me. You know, you pay me up front. It's all good to go. And then you collecting all that money from the door, you know, or from ticket sales or most of that money from ticket sales. So, you know, you end up bringing the artist here for maybe you know six grand all together hopefully you can uh flip that shit and make about nine ten racks off of that that situation so a lot of times what they'll do they'll have them you know run the concert at a certain place you know at a little hall or some shit like that and then you know rent the hall for you know 500 bucks or some shit like that so that's all included in that you know that six thousand dollars and then they getting that door money and then on top of that you know, they're getting the ticket sales from that. So on top of that, they might have the the uh, artists go to one of these nightclubs or something like that. And then they collecting door money. You know, it's like fucking 20 bucks to get in to kick it with somebody like Twister or some shit like that. And, you know, they getting, you know, $13 off of that while the, the, uh, the nightclub's getting seven of that. And then they might get the bar money, too. So that was always a huge, you know, way to flip legit. But with social media now... I mean, there's all kind of things that you can buy in from. I mean, you could do that whole flat tummy tea hustle. I mean, you could do that uh, Herbalife hustle. I don't think that shit works, but you could sell Hope Like Dope to these motherfuckers out here. If you can, you know, get these tablets out here, get them tabs off and get that weed off, get them Ready Rock off, get that Blue Flame off, you know, you'd be good to, you know, you can definitely sell some goddamn tea to some insecure women out here. You know what I'm saying? Or you can, uh, you can help somebody invest in their own clothing line. There's a lot of talented artists out here, so you can help somebody by buying them a printing, a t-shirt printing press or whatever, some uh, software, screen printing press, and then uh, buying some uh, software for them and getting them a MacBook or some shit like that and taking money off the top like that. Um, you can also uh, invest in somebody who's uh, pretty much what it's going to turn into is you investing in somebody with a vision. You know what I'm saying? You can invest in somebody who's a great photographer or videographer, you know, upgrade their equipment and, you know, start charging motherfuckers for music videos and shit like that. Um, what else could you do? Uh, let's see here. You can also get into the sneaker game, uh, even though that's kind of trailing off uh, a little bit. It's trailing off a little bit, you know, so it's kind of hit or miss. But you could also buy, you know, a bot and get a shit ton of Yeezys or some shit like that and, you know, come off of, come up off of that, buy them for 220 turn around, sell them for like 440 480 almost $500, depending on how these hype beasts deal with it. I mean, you can come up off of uh, buying retro shit, because right now, 90s gear is so hot, so you could go out here and pretty much ransack different garage sales, and uh, also... Um, thrift stores and shit like that finding shit from the 90s and things like that but that's kind of a slow hustle you know what i'm saying but 
Um, or you could just be, you know, a motivational speaker. You could be one of these people out here, you know, get have some high quality Instagram videos, Facebook live videos or Instagram TV or Snapchat videos and talking about how, you know, you can live like me while holding a, you know, fucking uh, a brick of uh, money to your ear and shit like that. That's out here if you're doing it big like that. You know what I'm saying? But the goal is always to flip legit somehow, some way. Um, you can also, you know, slowly invest in some stocks, play that long game like that. Um, but the main thing, the main way to flip legit in the easiest way is to, you know, take all your profits, throw them in a bank account slowly and work a square job. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Just work a square job and slowly take that money from up under the mattress from out the safe and just kind of funnel it into different savings accounts just real slowly real slowly just make a weekly deposit that's all it is just real slowly that's what i would say um besides uh doing the hustles that i spoke about but like i said if you want to you know grab you can invest in uh you know, music artists too. Like I said, there's a lot of realty uh, realtors out here, uh, real estate agents who kind of look the other way. If you want to get a little dilapidated building, you know, in a poor area and turn it into a music studio or something like that. If it's something real cheap, you know, like a twenty, thirty thousand dollar building, a lot of times they, like I said, they'll help you you know make that money look legit on paper so the feds won't come after you so there's all kind of hustles out there there's a ton of them out there but you don't ever want to jeopardize your family your friends if you out here doing dirt and getting that hand-to-hand money you know so it's always flip legit and keep your family about your business that's just what it is you know if people start asking you questions like where you getting all this money from i just learned how to invest you know i came up on some some stuff off of ebay things like that but you always want to flip legit you always always want to flip legit you also can start buying uh you know gold bullions you know if you're really out here flipping money like that but a lot of times (coughs) cats be out here just making you know a few thousand dollars and like i said just slowly funnel that into you know a, a savings account and then transfer that to a checking and you know you can invest in some stocks like that but it's always 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 flip legit always flip legit um or just get up out the game you know if you got money like that you know get you a swiss bank account get you a lawyer that can help you you know write them don't write them a hefty check just show up with a nice lump sum of money and be like yo i need you to help me you know get this to a swiss bank account and you take your ass over somewhere into a, a place that don't have any extradition you know laws or anything like that and have your feet kicked up somewhere and just chilling for the rest of your days but you always just want to flip legit um, once you have that spirit of a hustler you know once you done got that rush of making that hand-to-hand money and you're like oh shit and you you know you have to get up and get out earlier than everybody else in your competition you can actually switch them skills over to actually the legal world or the square world you know and go legit that way using that hustle i mean you could just keep your money like i said funnel slowly into a bank account live off that and you know start hustling online digitally you know start 
you know out if you like to cook you can start up a digital cookbook an ebook something like that and if you just really know how to sell something if you create something that can sell itself you just got to give it out to the people you just have to be up on it you know that's all it is to it so it's just flipping legit uh, i hope you guys don't you know judge me for uh, my past too much you know for you know speaking of some how i was living you know a few years back um, i was gonna say a few years ago like it was a couple years back but no uh, it was over 10 years ago and that's for statue of limitations so hey ain't nothing the feds really can do um but hopefully y'all ain't judging me too harshly but like i said i've always you know always had a foot in the streets had a foot in the, the regular world and that's why i think that i can just really kick it with anybody you know i can sit down and talk politics with the best of them and i can sit down and talk about you know breaking down a brick of weed to uh you know the hardest street nigga out here but that's been lesson four of the g code you know do your dirt by your lonesome never jeopardize friends and family and if you are about that life the goal is always to flip legit always flip legit go clean all right